Hello and welcome to The Biggest Fan Pod, a brand new podcast brought to you by This Fangirl. The Biggest Fan Pod hands over the mic to some of our favourite people in the world of football and invites their biggest fans alongside them to ask the questions we wouldn't know to ask. Discussing the ups and downs of being a football supporter, whether you're playing on the field or watching your team from the stands, we get a behind the scenes glimpse into the lives and stories of some of the most influential people in football and their relationship with their day ones. Okay, so for the pilot, we wanted to test out the water for how and if this podcast format was going to work. So for the first episode only, I'm going to be chatting alongside my interviewer and my biggest fan, Yasmin. Yasmin and I have known each other since we were six when we met in infant school, so we go way, way back. Yas has been a major source of support in my life, whether we're living our best lives on holiday or nights out that are difficult to even remember now, or she's been a shoulder to cry on through breakups or getting fired from another job. Yes, there has been a few. It gives me lots of pleasure to bring her on for the very first episode of The Biggest Fan Pod. So lovely to see you. How are you doing? Amy, hi. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Right, so Amy, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm really up. excited to do this. Yeah, I'm excited to be asked by you. Because it's been a while, hasn't it, since mm. we've chatted? Yeah, and it's been a little while since I think I've talked about TFG. Obviously, this year I've just, it's not been the first thing on my mind. No, so, yeah, very nice dist- a very reflect. special year for you though, Amy. Very special year, yeah, it has. It's been, like like basically everyone, it's been a tough year. It's been a really, yeah. really difficult one, but... I had my daughter in March, so that was obviously Meeks. little Meeks, little Mika. Um, so that was just life changing. That just flipped my shit on its head. What's that basically. been like? What's this year been like? So obviously Mika's been amazing, and we all love her so much. Yeah, but it, what's it been like for you? It's it's a really funny one because it has just been. I think I don't think I ever really realised that you can feel two two very different things at once. Mm-hmm. Like I think I've I've been at the edge of all my emotions at a certain point in this year like yeah. pure joy to the point where I genuinely felt like my blood vessels were about to burst like I fell in love with Mika so hard I remember the message you sent me I think you sent me a VM and you Possibly. were like I'd like I, I got really emotional I'm actually gonna get emotional talking about oh, it sorry don't, Amy don't. um but I remember you just being like I've never loved anything so much in my life yeah, yeah. and I just remember like the anxiety you had running yeah. up to it and I had for you as like one of your best friends but when you sent me that message I was like oh, Mika's yeah. here and Amy is happy yeah. and I've ne- like I just remember that message yeah it was it was amazing like it's it's actually indescribable but you're right like I did have a really my pregnancy was really full of anxiety because it was obviously the very last bit of it it was like the world was about to I don't know the lockdown was about to happen we didn't know that that was the case but like it was almost life was just getting a little bit crazy but I had a really difficult pregnancy because um I'm diabetic and it was it was difficult sort of managing that it was I was in hospital all the time like I was literally in and out of hospital every single week lots of tests lots of blood tests lots of consultations so it was I was very fraught in the run-up to my pregnancy and almost like yeah when Mika came it was actually like kind of relief to be honest I was just like oh my god she's here but yeah so it was like pure joy and then like almost three days later I remember it was pure fear I remember we went back into hospital and it was literally the day that lockdown was announced and me because we had to go back into hospital because she had jaundice and as a new mum when you hear anything is happening with your baby like you you crumble. I was like on the floor crying. And I didn't realise at the time, like jaundice, yeah, it's serious, but it's it's basically like one in three babies get it. It's it's very, it's a real 
thing that happens to a lot of children. I didn't know that at the time. So mm -hmm. I was just like, right, I've just come out of hospital after eight days. I'm going back into hospital. We got into hospital and there was like, it's the first time we'd ever seen people in PPE at the, the yeah. at Leicester A&E. And they, we got in and they were like, only one of you is allowed in. And so we'll have to go home. And I was like, holy shit, I am by myself. I am scared. You know, the kind of like fear where it's just like, it actually makes you cold. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've sort of like been through that. And then just being a new mum, not knowing what the hell you're doing and yeah. just like absolutely and not, not, not really having, having your family around because we've no. locked down. Yeah, we had to like, my mum and dad used to have to come and like stand by this window and look oh, at Amy, that's so heartbreaking isn't yeah, it yeah it was rough it's been really rough but at the same time like i don't know it's hard like it's really hard for me to say that this has been a shit year i can't say that with, no. my, with my full heart at all because it has you know it's been it's, it's a year that's really changed my life and it's been such a beautiful time to mm -hmm. bond with mika bond as our family and yeah just sort of see her change and get used yeah. to being a mum and yeah, being parents and it's been beautiful for that. But I think, yeah, it's been an incredibly sad, sad year. Yeah. People have lost everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think when you are having, as you were talking about before, like sort of the roller coaster of going through coronavirus and through this mad time, I think you have to give yourself a bit of credit and sort of let that happen and just yeah. feel And not feel feeling it. bad about it either. Not feeling either. bad about it. Yeah. I was saying to, I think I was telling you this a couple of days ago, I was like, I've had days where I've like cried in my car because it's just a lot. It's a lot it's to a deal lot. with. It's a lot. It really is. Um, so yeah, it's been emotional with a capital E. It's been sad and beautiful and scary and incredible and all those things at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and Mika has been just a little dream in all of this. She has. She She's really has. Little, I know, and I think that's why, like, I think before I got, um, before I was like, I don't think I want to put Mika on Instagram. I don't think I'm going to do that. But then it's just like, for all my friends as well, like, I know when I put up photos of Mika, everyone's just like, oh, she's amazing. I know, like, when I, I get one, I want like, I'm like, send me more, yeah, that's exactly. not enough. I feel like Mika, Mika, like over this lockdown period, she has been spreading joy. So. She has, she really has, Amy. Yeah. Should we talk about football? Let's do it. Okay, so I, I do know the answer to this. But I don't know the full answer to it. So I think people want to know, Amy, how did you get into football? I definitely got into football um, at a sort of semi-young age, I suppose. I started going to football with my dad at probably about the age of 10. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been about 9, 10. I remember it was around that time because I remember going back to Overdale, shout out Overdale Infant School. Oh my Overdale gosh, shout school, out. And I remember like, parroting things back to the boys that I'd heard my dad say at the football so like basically anything that my dad had said I'd be like lodge that in my brain he'd said something about Robbie Savage or something or something about Muzzy is it and I'd like parrot that back oh my god Muzzy is it I Muzzy remember Muzzy is, is it absolute legend Lester Ledge I remember from a really young age going to Fulbert Street with my dad and just just being like literally like blown away by the spectacle of football, mm -hmm. like by thousands of people in the stand mm -hmm. and the noises. And I think a really big thing for me was just like being around like thick Leicester accents, shouting like the passion. I just loved it. I've always just like been totally obsessed with it. And it's just in my older adult life, it's always been something that's really connected me to the place that I'm from. Mm -hmm. Just sort of that tie, because Leicester is like a one club football town, football city, shall I say. Mm -hmm. It's always that tie has always been really important to me. It's always made me have a bit of sense of space, of sense of place. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just uh, that's always been really what's interested me. And I think also like I've always just been 
interested in like what football means to people as well mm-hmm. I think with my dad my dad actually grew up in Huddersfield and he supported Huddersfield Town when he was younger he moved to Leicester in the I don't know in the 80s maybe and he started supporting Leicester then because he wanted like Leicester to be something that he could do with his own entire family so he he did what people call he did the bad thing and did a switch so oh, he, really? but he still like keeps his eye on Huddersfield Town I think do you know the bad thing yeah I was talking to my husband Paddy about this the other day because he supports Arsenal okay and poor, poor I find right it really depressing that he supports Arsenal he'll kill me for saying this but just because he so on like a Saturday he'll work all day he'll do bits around the house he'll do like at work work um, and then he'll be like yes Arsenal playing get the beers in and you know the, the place will just be all ready for this football match and then they lose and all I can hear is like shouting and disappointment it's tough. and it's miserable for me because then he's in a bad mood <laughs> and then I'm just like look you work in Leicester so just support Leicester just yeah, do the switch he's the like switch. he's like Yaz when you disappoint me or when you're not winning, am I going to switch you? No. And I was like, okay, you can't compare the football team to your wife. You can't. But why do I think he needs to do the switch? I think it's a funny one. Like, it's, it's definitely something that is super looked down upon. But I think there's reasons why you do do it. Like, yeah. I think... I totally understand why my dad did, because, like, he was... He, he was living a hundred miles away from Huddersfield when he had like me and my sisters. Yeah, as I said, like he wanted football to be something that we bonded over together. It would be difficult for us to do that in Huddersfield. And he went, he went to see Leicester play a couple of times because he's just interested in the sport of football. Yeah. Um, and then before you know it, like it, it captures you. Especially, I think also with Filbert Street and now the King Power, it is one of those grounds. Like you've been with me, right? Yeah. It is one of those grounds that has got atmosphere. It's like, got it's, so much atmosphere. It's got like in like buckets of it. So I think he got like pulled in by that. And I yeah. know loads of other people that they've done it maybe like they've done a switch. I feel yeah. like if you're switching all the time, you're switching clubs like depending on who's at the top of the league. Yeah. And obviously I think you can you can maybe raise your eyebrows at that. But I, I get I get I can understand why people do it. Let's talk about that night that we went to see Leicester. What year was that? That night that we went to see Leicester. So we Newcastle. Went to see, yeah. So that was, I think that was not last season, maybe the season before. So what would that have been, like 2018? Yeah. But that was your first time at a match, right? It was my first, I mean, I think I went once with my dad when I was really young and I, I really felt like I had to go. Yeah. Because my dad had some tickets. It wasn't like I wanted to go. Mm. And I've spoken to you about this before, but I remember, so when you um, were younger, you would, one of the Druker sisters would be going to a football match yeah. with, with your dad. Yeah. Um, and I just couldn't understand why, like, you were so committed like for me it was like oh no I'd rather have like a sleepover or like go shopping with the girls in town like meet at the clock tower on a Saturday go to Topshop but you were full-on committed you guys um but anyway so my dad had some tickets and I can't remember who we went with I think it was me maybe my sister but I don't really remember it that much but then when I went with you as an adult I can completely I completely get it Mm. I'm not like I, I'm not massively into football, but being in that stadium, yeah. I said to you, didn't I? I was like, I'm going to be coming back a yeah. lot more because it is like it's just chemical. I think I genuinely yeah. think like going to a football ground is sometimes it's a chemical experience. It's just being around that amount of people, that excitement. Like it, it's the reason that like people keep on going back. And everyone was so welcoming. Mm. Weren't yeah, they? Yeah. There was a guy, there was the season ticket holder, uh, season ticket holder behind us. But he, every single time I've been back, he's like, 
when you bring in your mate. So I think he fancied you, Yazzie. Oh, he's really? I don't remember him. Every single time. I think he's I was just... overexcited, wasn't I? I mean, they did lose, so I didn't yeah, get the... Did but I loved the tappy thing. Look, what was that? The clackers. The clackers. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. They get a bad rep, actually. Loads of people don't like them. I, I really like them. the clackers. Yeah, they're great. Intimidation. Absolutely scare out the team. But I, as soon as things open up, Amy, we have to go again. Definitely. I'm gonna. I'm doing everything I can to get a Leicester season ticket. Okay, should we talk about when Leicester won the league? One of my favourite things to talk about ever. I know. I remember it all. Oh my god! Um, what a absolute. That was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, dream of a year. I remember the build up to that. It was wild. It's all you spoke about. Yeah. I didn't. I don't think nothing actually... else mattered, did it? Nothing. What? What else could possibly have mattered that season? Like nothing. It was funny because I think the year before that is the first year that I actually really started getting back into football. And by back into football, like for me, like Leicester was always, Leicester City Football Club has always been a big part of my life, but that football hasn't. It's a uh-huh. bit of a strange one to try and explain sometimes. It's just always, Leicester's always come first, football's come second. Uh-huh. Um, but the year before Leicester won the league was when they got promoted and it just made it like really a, a lot easier for me to support them. Obviously it would because, you know, they're playing games that are on telly um you can go and watch your team play with other fans basically a, a, a big part of like my enjoyment that year was my friend laura who i work with at lyland scott um she was a west brom fan and we were obviously playing the premier league at the same time so we could like watch the derbies together and we could watch certain games and it just made it really fun it just like i was enjoying football like really like really in depth for the first time ever as an adult Mm -hmm. so it was that season that i got back into football and i remember i was in columbia at the time um but i remember like a the guy that i was basically i was in like a shared house because i was doing um i was working at a school and he was a Chelsea fan at the time. And he was, like I was saying, I was like, yeah, I support Leicester City. And he was just like, oh, you're going to get relegated this season. And it was like literally that time of the great escape. And I was like, no, we can't. We're not going to get relegated. I'm sure of it. We've actually been playing really well. We've just, we've just like, it's just been real like poor luck that we've been like losing. And then basically it was like the last eight games of the season, they won them all. So I think they finished like 17th, 16th, something along those lines. And I just remember him and me like going to watch football all the time. But it was just amazing. Amazing to sort of watching Leicester have that incredible moment before they won the Premier League, which is something yeah. I think a lot of people forget. And I feel like that was the moment that I got real captured back into it. And then Leicester just had an absolute, obviously, blinding start. And by the time it got to like December, it was just all I could think about because they were just so, they were just having such an incredible run. It was the game that I, I think I, I remember chatting to you about it. I put a bet on and it was. Uh, totally by accident. I didn't know what I was doing at all. Put a fiver on something. I was very, very jealous when this happened. Mate, 180 <laughs> big bucks. I was jumping. But what didn't, like, when you went into the, what, is, what are they even called? Betting shops? Yeah, I went into Labrooks. Didn't know what I was doing. So it was the first time I ever <laughs> put a bet on for anything. So I think I just put it on wrong. And I remember, put, I remember like, saying something about, like, I think it was Morris to school first or something along them lines. And then basically the guy behind the desk like he was he's almost gave me like a nod as if being like mm, decent decent like decent bet on and i remember it coming through and it was 2-1 the scoreline and yeah i won 180 pounds and i was buzzing um and it just i don't know that whole season it was just pure um it was just so it was emotional but it was just pure excitement pure like 
it was just obsession. I think that's the only thing I can actually like say about that. Yeah, I remember coming home at Christmas and I remember my mum and dad having the whole entire house like decorated with Leicester City like clackers everywhere. Leicester <laughs> City, everything. We I didn't, didn't talk see about that. anything else. Yeah. Like, that was the only thing we could possibly talk about. Mm-hmm. Um and then I was living with my flatmate at the time and he was a Leicester City fan as well. And I remember coming home and he'd, this was probably like March time, and he'd read an article, it was The Guardian wrote this article and it was like six games that Leicester lose the title. And I remember him, like the look on his face was like pure panic. And we both read this article and then like I was up like all night on Twitter, like trying to find like all these articles to disprove this Guardian article. I was just, I was manic. I was you were obsessed. Manic obsessive. Yeah. And I think I, a really, really big part of that obsession for me was I was just trying to find insight from Leicester fans like I was just like I need to I need to like hear from Leicester people because I'm aware I'm, I'm in London now I want to mm-hmm. I want to hear the voices I want to see the faces and that just I couldn't find that so that's when I first actually decided to go and take f- photos of um, yeah. the fans at Leicester and that's basically what started this whole thing this fangirl yeah should we talk about this fangirl let's do it so because you started taking photos didn't you uh, but like what made you want to turn into this fangirl. I started taking photos of Leicester when they were in the title, just as something to document myself. And then those got published in Topman blog, shout out to. And that kind of just gave me like a little bit of a boost to be like, oh, this is interesting for other people, not even like you and Nish and my mum and dad. Like other people were like, oh, okay, this is an interesting thing to look at and see. And then Laura, who I mentioned before, who I we spent a lot of time over that season and the season before, like watching football together because it was just something that we could do. We were talking in the pub and she was just like, oh, you should do this for, we should do this for female fans. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that's basically it. I remember exactly where we were. We were in this pub just in like, just off Spinningfield Market. And I remember like, I can actually see her face when she said that because I remember it just sort of like something in my mind just went, that is a fucking sick idea. I just remember thinking, okay, that's it. That's what. That's exactly what I want to do. I really want to do that. I think that's an amazing project. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, okay, cool. So let's let's set that let's set that as a bit of a mission for ourselves. And I just thought, well, why not let let take photos of all um, fans from every club in the Premier League? And we sort of had that in the back of our minds really early on. But I don't think we actually really announced it until maybe we'd started mm-hmm. um, going on our pho- photography journey because obviously it was a big thing to commit to, going to every single club in the country at the time. But yeah, that was basically what we spent the first year of this fangirl doing. And I think, ultimately, I don't think we even necessarily thought we were we were going to set up a platform. I remember, like, we'd maybe shot a couple of games. We shot Arsenal, we shot West Ham, and the photos were coming back, and they were cool. Like, I don't think they were necessarily, like, super high quality, but... Um, we 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 had something, and I remember us being like, okay, what like what are we even going to call this? Like, I'm it doesn't make sense for me to share them on my profile because you're a part of this project. It doesn't make sense for them to share it on your profile because we're we're doing this together. So that was the time we were like, okay, well let's let's call this something, and that's when it we, we called it this fangirl. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think we necessarily assumed it would be. We well, no, we definitely didn't assume what it would. It would be what it is now. Back then, yeah. I think we just thought it was going to be a year-long project. Ultimately, I I was kind of using it as a way to get into 
um, documentary photography because it's yeah. something that I've been really interested in for a really long time and it's it's shifted. you've said that before haven't you yeah I love it I've just I've always been really interested in just watching people and my family are both my sisters did anthropology and we, we growing up we did a lot of talking about um areas of human interest mm. and I think it's always just been something that's really resonated with me and I think again for my dad growing up in I think I mentioned before my dad like grew up in Huddersfield and I think I've always had a real because I spent a lot of time there as when I was a kid in in the north in Sheffield in Bradford in Leeds and places like that I've always had a real respect for like northern communities and football gets played and football is very visual there it's mm-hmm. very you see it all the time you see it played through those places so I think that was a real connecting element in my mind like I don't know sort of like the human element the football element and the element of different parts of the UK it all came together like quite quite um cleanly I suppose yeah what um like inspired you to to photograph female fans because you said I just remembered you saying there um it just clicked and it was like that's what I want to do but what what was it that really drove you to be like I want to focus on females here I think the back of my mind I think over the year of Leicester winning the title as much as I say it was like one of the best years of my life minus this one because of birth of my daughter it that year was really incredible like really shaped me a lot but there was a part of me that still felt like I couldn't completely enjoy it because even when I sort of spoke to people I remember speaking to people at work and being like oh um yeah I'm gonna watch Leicester play at the weekend or I remember like my dad sending me a clacker actually I put it above my desk at work and that was like December and people being like oh you're not a real fan you're only supporting because Leicester are having like a good run and I remember feeling like maybe I'm not like maybe I'm not a real fan like and like Mm. doubting myself even though it's been a big part of who I am where I'm from growing up I remember just thinking oh like this is this is really annoying I feel like I can't totally be I can't totally be seen here I can't totally enjoy this because I feel like a bit of a fraud and I think it was that moment that Laura said oh we should do this for female fans I was just like yeah there's there's a disconnect here the way that I felt that year Mm -hmm. and what I'd just taken photos of uh, uh, um, King Power, I guess. It was just sort of those things sort of correlating for the first time in my mind. Did you have any idea how big? Because I'd say this fangirl is really big. I've had, like, my friends be like, oh, I saw your friend Amy Drucker on Instagram, or I've seen her on the BBC. I'm like, yes, she is my friend. <laughs> but did you have any idea that it would be what it is today? Definitely, definitely not. I think, as I said, like, I think, especially when we started it, like, I think it was really experimental. Like, it was just, it was born out of that that thing that we touched on showing... But I think it was for me, really, more than anything. It was sort of showing that female fans had a place in football and that mm-hmm. was like basically the essence of it I, I'd always been like craving like a creative outlet so I think when we sort of like decided on the idea I remember that as I said that moment in the pub when we sort of decided on the idea of this fan I was really excited about it because I was I, I knew that that was something I could really get my teeth into so I knew that I knew that we had an amazing idea didn't know exactly what that was going to turn out like to be but I think I think it made me just realise that there were just so, so many women that were just like me who had been going to football with their dads or with their mums mm-hmm. or whatever and not seeing themselves in football because back in 2016, it wasn't it wasn't visible at all. No. So I think like when we started putting photos up that we'd been taking over the matches, 
um, it was, we got a quick response from it. Like we got like lots of women following us um, within the first couple of months, sort of saying, oh, I really like this image reminds me of me and my mum. This mm-hmm. image reminds me of my nan and like my auntie. So it, yeah. it was quite quick that I think we touched on something that had been a bit of a visual gap. And I think also the fact that we, we took photos all over the place. Like we weren't um, tied to London, which I think was really, really important for me because because I've, I, I've got such an affinity with the Midlands and with the North. I'm super proud of where I'm from. Like I wanted it to sort of touch on all different clubs mm-hmm. and really show the, the depth of the country and the depth of fans. So I think, um, yeah, basically this fan girl, like it sort of, it, I wouldn't say it blew up, but it got, it got quite big quite quick. Mm-hmm. I remember us doing an interview on Women's Hour in November. And bear in mind, we like basically started our Instagram channel in October. We did an interview on Women's Hour on BBC, went to BBC Broadcasting House. I remember this. Oh, mate. I was listening to it driving to work. Were you? Yeah. Oh, my God. I was bricking You sent me a message and you were like, I'm shitting it. Shitting it. I was shaking. Like, to my core, I was shaking. And I just remember after that, that things got... um, I guess a bit more real after that. Like we got published in a couple of magazines and I think the fact that we committed to taking photos of all these clubs, like people sort of realised that there was a bit of a end, end game to it and we had our exhibition at the end of the year. Um, the one in Leicester. We had one in Leicester. Yeah, I love one that. in London. Um, yeah, it was great. And it was just sort of like a, a thank you to everyone that we'd photographed and a bit of a... I guess like a, a physical thing to sort of end a year, which was really like an incredible year. We had so much fun mm-hmm. and learned so much. And I genuinely think like some people, people say to me, they were like, oh, you're like, you're quite, you seem like quite a naturally confident person. I genuinely think that confidence came from that year because at the football games, like we'd be going up to people asking if we could take their photograph. And like mm-hmm. so many people would obviously be like, no, like, no, I don't want to get that done. Or like, to be, like kind of be rude to you. And that's a scary thing to put yourself out there and yeah. like, go in, in someone face and asked them and I think that just gave me like a thick skin just to yeah. be like oh, maybe things aren't as personal as you think they are like people have got their reasons for yeah. not wanting to do things and I think that genuinely like gave me a bit of a confidence boost more than anything else and you did that like every weekend every weekend so you knew that that was part of it didn't you yeah exactly like yeah we did it we really we spent a lot of time traveling up and down the country I remember like I remember January the 2nd and it was 2017 and I remember getting a train to Middlesbrough. I got I got on the train at seven o'clock, got off at Middlesbrough at like 11, took photos of Middlesbrough fans, had to leave quite quick to jump on a train to Sunderland and then took photos of Sunderland fans. Then I came back home because we didn't go to the game. All in a day. All in a day because like it was just, we, we wanted wow. to sort of like, yeah, we wanted to get it done and we didn't go to games when we were photographing that year no. just because that would have cost us an arm and leg like that year cost us a lot of money anyway so yeah. traveling up and down the country and all the equipment that we needed and yeah we, we yeah we spent a lot of time in very cold corners of the UK and Cot- and pubs pubs yeah and just... I remember you came to Nottingham and you took did, um, yeah. some photos before a match mm. didn't you yeah, that was Notts County. That was a beautiful yeah. ground. Love yeah. that ground. Right, so, Aim, I've, I've got a question for you, because obviously, like, this fangirl was a massive, like, passion of yours. It was something you did, you enjoyed it, and I, I remember, like, seeing you bring communities together in London and in Leicester. But when did you realise that, actually, this is bigger than just just bringing people together? When did, you, when did that switch up for you? 
I think like 2018, it was the World Cup, obviously, especially when you're like in the football space, like things get super busy around tournaments. It's always the way. There's loads mm-hmm. to talk about, right? We were really lucky to work with Adidas that summer. We were doing a massive campaign. I say massive campaign. It was massive for us. It was probably like absolutely nothing for Adidas, but huge for us. And then we just finished a documentary with Chelsea Grimes and it was the first time we were getting paid for stuff. And I think at that point mm-hmm. we were getting noticed by brands and we were getting noticed by big people that we'd always like respected. And that was at a time where I was just like, you know what, this is becoming something that I think I can do as a full-time job. Stayed with an agency that I was working at at the time, which I've got so much love and respect for. They do like incredible cause marketing work. But I was half in, half out because my head was there. That was my job at the time. I was doing, working on lots of different campaigns there, but my heart was in this fango because I just knew that that was what I really, that was what woke me up in the mornings. Um, And I remember like, shout out to my manager at the time. I think he knows this. This Tom? No, his name's Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan, sorry. He was a creative director (laughs) and he um, used to go to the, like, go to the kitchen to get a cup of coffee. And I remember him going to the kitchen and me, like, switching tabs on my email and being like, trying to get back to, like, an email of someone that emailed me about something with this fango because a lot was coming in. Mm -hmm. And I, at that time, I just wanted to say yes to everything because it was so new and I just, I wanted to build the profile. So it was, it was, it was, hard like at that time because I was working full-time um and like lunch breaks sort of my walks to and from work from the station I'd be on my phone like sort of like getting back to people it'd be early mornings it'd be late nights it'd be a lot so it was around that time I was like I feel like I'm just sort of half in one world half in the other Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to give all my energy to this fan girl and just give it a shot and I just thought like you know what like if it doesn't work and in six months' time, I am broke as a joke and I have to go back to full-time work, then that's what needs to happen. And I think yeah. that was the, that sort of spurred me to make that decision. You were really honest with them and they really respected that, didn't they? And they were quite excited about what it was you were going to do yeah. with, with TFG. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think it, it was a really small agency at the time and they, they're almost like a startup in their own right. Um, so I think the managing director there... He was like, you've kind of like, you've got to, you've got to do what you've got to do. This is like obviously what you're yeah. passionate about. So there was, was a lot of support from them, which I really appreciated. Um, so it's, yeah, it was, it was a nice, we left on good terms. And they kind of knew you had this thing in the background, didn't they? Oh, 100%. I think everyone did. Everyone knew I had it in the background. I remember like literally, I remember BBC coming to my office because I did like a little appearance on Sports Personality of the Year and they came to my office in King's Cross. Yeah, they, they knew everything that was happening. So I think they always, they always knew that there was something cooking in the background. There um, was, yeah. It's, it's a really hard decision to make because, I don't know, I feel like, especially in this day and age, like a lot of people are like, oh, just follow your dream. You've got to do what you love. You've got to work on what you're passionate about. And it does like, that's like not... It's not the reality a lot of the time. It is like you've got to get yourself paid. You know, you've got to like you've got to pay your bills, and it's like it's it's a really difficult thing to do is to Mm -hmm. do start something and set it up by yourself, and then just go for it. And any for any freelancer, I've got so much respect for any freelancer because everyone sort of like thinks about this freelance life of being like in coffee shops and you know waking up at Mm -hmm. eleven o'clock and being able to take long weekends but it's really tough it's a really really difficult road and it's hella lonely I remember like getting to like June and I was like yeah I'm I'm, I have 
a penny to my name. I had no money whatsoever. When you were completely into this yeah, time Yeah, because I'd been like, I was waiting to get paid off a couple of things. There was a few things happening and mm-hmm. it, I was broke as anything. And that's scary, isn't it? Leaving your full-time job. It's so scary. It really is. But, but I remember, and we've spoken about the Lansdowne a lot because we often meet there when you come off your train from London. Shout and out Lansdowne. Oh, yes, yeah, so you know it's closed. Forever? Yeah, mate. Oh my God, are you joking? Lansdowne closed That makes me really sad. There's a separate podcast needed to talk about all Lansdowne. Yeah, I mean, when I was driving into Leicester, I saw the Lansdowne looked, I just assumed it was closed because of COVID, not that it's permanently closed. That's so bad. Yeah. That's really, that's quite it's heartbreaking, hot. isn't it? it hurts. Like the loaded dog has obviously changed to something else. You know that the dry dog's been bulldozed? Stop, hurts Amy. my heart. Hurts my heart. That's, that's horrible. No, yes, sorry. It's a, it's a lot. It's been bulldozed, mate. There is nothing there. There's no boat. There's no boat. Oh my God, the boat. There's been some quite life-changing moments in the Lansdowne, but I oh, do sure. remember um, you being very busy when I met you. Yeah and you I saw it wasn't a spreadsheet it was a a spider diagram of all these like things coming in people wanting you to do projects it was a lot it was there was a lot and I felt so overwhelmed just looking Mm. at that looking at like your work laptop but I think what was really good about what you did is you continued your job yeah and you had this sort of side yeah, and I think that's um, maybe what I was trying to get to is this almost like, the, the, I feel like sometimes there's a bit of a thing where people are like, oh, I'm just going to quit my job and do what I love. And it's just like, no, like that's a really, like... It doesn't work like that in reality, It's not necessarily it? a good idea. Yeah. Like, you're, you, you are blessed if you can do something that you absolutely love. There's, not, there's very few people that are able to do that and do it really successfully and live a carefree life. No, there's a lot of work that comes with that. And there is absolutely no shame and I kind of wish I told myself that a little bit earlier actually there's no shame in like working for someone else like you Mm -hmm. learn so much and Mm -hmm. you gain a lot from working for other places who have got that system intact to protect you who to pay you holiday pay Mm -hmm. to pay you sick pay because you don't have that when you're freelance and yeah I don't know maybe I think I was I was very excited I've always been very excited about this Van Gogh I've always like there's always been that sort of like passion about everything that we do with it um, but I think that also, on, to be honest, there's been a naivety to it at points, just thinking, oh, I can do everything and I can do it all. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes I have to steady myself from, sometimes I have to remind myself that even now, it's just like, you know, you can you can say no to things and not everything is a good idea. You don't have to be everywhere at once. No. You can keep it more simple. Amy, I think that I know what you want this fangirl to achieve, but what do you want it to achieve so other listeners know? I think this is... This is a question that I ask myself all the time. And I think, I think honestly, like working in the, like social media can sometimes really cloud your space. I think sometimes you feel like you've got to do, you've got to be like, oh, like launch a TikTok channel or launch this, like be like creating all this sort of different kind of content to sort of um, keep this fangirl moving and keep it sort of um, evolving. But actually, I think ultimately, what I want this fangirl to achieve, it all goes back to that moment that I was talking about before, which was when Leicester was winning the title and just pure excitement. It was a moment that I'm never going to forget. Probably the, the city is never, ever going to forget. But I felt like I couldn't be 100% included in that. 
and that might have been how I felt about myself. That might have been my own perception of how I was as a fan. But I did feel like I couldn't 100% get into it. I couldn't fully celebrate it. Maybe it's because I didn't have the people around me to be able to do that. Or I couldn't properly, properly shout about um, my fandom because I felt a little bit like guarded about it because mm-hmm. I felt like I was a bit of a fraud maybe. Um, and I think what I want this fangirl to achieve is for anyone, say if Spurs win the title this season, <laughs> say if they won the, like, won the title this season, I would hate it if anyone sort of like reflected that experience to me now and been like oh I like I've followed them since I was younger but I felt like I was a bit silly getting involved it's just like there's no need for any woman to feel like they can't be fully fully involved in a football experience and being a football fan because of your gender it doesn't make sense and Mm -hmm. I think really that's just that's 100% what I want this fangirl to achieve there is space for women in football to be a fan I think over the last couple of years, it's kind of like migrated as this, the, the women's football has erupted in its own right. So there's space for you to be a player. We try and do as much as we can with that. I don't come from a player background myself, but we try and talk about journeys mm-hmm. into different parts of women's football, whether that be coaching, whether that be playing. There is there is a community of people here who are the same as me. They're the same as you know women that identified with the project really early on. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of women who love football and there shouldn't be anything that holds you back. I think if you go one step further than that, I think football is almost like a, it's almost like a disguise actually for how I want it to make women feel. Cause I feel like if you can break through in football, which is a very, it is still a very guarded space. It can feel emotionally, um, very intimidating actually to be a woman mm-hmm. in football. Like if you can, if you can feel comfortable there, where else can you feel comfortable? Mm-hmm. And what, what else can that lead to? What else can that um, create for you? What what can that what else can that make you do? Mm-hmm. Where can that confidence sort of like splay out into? Would it give you the confidence to I don't know apply for a job that you wouldn't have necessarily applied yeah. for, or just feel a little bit more like yourself? And I think that's it. Really, it is. I, I hate. I really do hate using this the term like female empowerment because I think it can be. I was just gonna say that. It's a lot. Like, people use yeah. that all the time and, like, misguided use it as a tagline. It's just yeah. like, no, you're not empowering women by, like, dressing them in six yeah, pound tops. Yeah. Like, let's cut the BS. But, like, I do... I just want women to feel like they are able to... Be part of that space as exactly. well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I remember when we went to the Leicester-Newcastle football match and you saying, oh, I've got a ticket. Do you want to come? And I was like, oh, that's obviously wasted on me. I don't even watch football. And why, like... I'm probably going to feel uncomfortable there because I, I'm not like a, a, a big, the biggest football fan. But actually just going into that space was so exciting. And mm. I was, I had FOMO. I was like, why haven't I been part of this longer? Totally. And I was like almost like jealous of like everything you'd created mm. with football. And I'd kind of excluded myself because mm. I thought... I'm this kind of person or this kind of female. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I remember, that's so interesting that you said that. I remember like almost, it was when I moved to London, I felt, I remember like feeling really, really excluded from football at the time and almost like rebelling against it and being like, oh, turn the football off, I hate it. I just don't feel part of it. Like, I didn't say that out loud, but mm-hmm. it's actually how I felt because I just I, I just didn't feel like it was... I didn't see myself reflected there. And it's so sad to hear that you haven't done that because, because you've not necessarily been to games throughout your whole life. In 2018, you wouldn't have seen um, a place for yourself 
Or you wouldn't have even yeah. felt comfortable coming to a football game. That's total, like, it's rubbish. It doesn't make any sense. But I, only because I have a friend like you that I've been able to do that. Yeah. And I'm interested. Like, I see everything that you post. I do get involved in, like, the football chat with my husband, even though he knows a lot more than me. And I'm doing it course, now. yeah. But, um... Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's so funny though. It, you've just you've literally just said it there. And this is like it's very rare that I ever hear you downplay yourself because yeah. you are an incredibly confident person for obvious reasons. You should be very accomplished, but you very rarely say that about anything else. Oh, I don't know as much. Yeah. Why is it about football that we come to this point where we have to sort of like suffice it with this thing? It's crazy. Yeah. And it's even just, though football has actually been in my life through my dad now my husband like it's on every day weekend radio the news front paper front page back page of the news like it's in our lives it It is is in like and it is in modern british life and i just feel like almost like what like why would it be so weird if you decided you were like oh i'm gonna support less city now like um that's me like why would people have such a problem with that yeah i think it's a it's an interesting one like and i think that's a big part of this fangirl as well like we want to encourage women who haven't been through the football haven't had families bring them through and sort of take them through primary school and secondary school Mm -hmm. and sort of like you've got that history with football which is connected to your family which is such a uh, reoccurring theme with women's connection with the game but women who haven't had that why can't you be involved why can't can't we open that up exactly why can't you ask a question why can't you be like oh you you know what like can you explain the offside rule to me? Like, why do yeah. I have to... Sc- why would you ever scoff at someone that asks that question? It doesn't yeah. make it doesn't, it doesn't make, make sense. sense, yeah. Like, yeah. for me, like, anyone that I can... I can answer a question for, like, it just makes... It brings you into my world. It means that we can enjoy yeah. things together. And it's, it's, it's strange that I think um, football does that. It, it really does sort of put these barriers up. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess this fan girl wants to do that. Wants to... And it has started to massively, yeah. hasn't it? From the messages you're getting from the women that follow you, from businesses, companies or football clubs yeah. that have come to you. It, has, it started that conversation, hasn't it? I think it has. And I think it, it, it's made it... It's put a female face in football. And we did that in our first year, obviously, through the photos. But through just general content, like a lot of our content that we share is from other people, other people doing really cool things in the football space. It's just showing that there is there is female participation in football you might not see it super widely but it, it's there and it's been there for a really long time okay aim so tell us a bit about where this fangirl is now so it's 2020 i mean all bets are flipping off aren't they they it's really the, are it's, it's the year of uncertainty it really it? is yeah and i think like with this fangirl like i kind of have to take that into account with um, where we are as a business, where we are as a platform. I think like it's been a crazy couple of years. It's been really, really fast moving. And this has actually been kind of a nice year to slow down a little bit. We've done a few bits and pieces with some really cool brands. We've done some work with Man City, Lyland Scott, which was really cool for me because it was a brand that I used to work with. But I think it's been a slightly down year, but I mean, like life has been a slightly down year, right? I think also it genuinely for anyone that's made it through this year like let's be honest it's a testament to you like it's been a mad one genuinely like leaving you couldn't write it could you you couldn't i'm i'm really trying to not like put too much pressure on this year because also i've like i've technically been on maternity leave so i've wanted to enjoy that as well so it's it's been a slower year i think next year i think it's it's genuinely 
I don't think anything's really changed, actually. I think ultimately the mission stays the same. It's just to create space, whether that's physical, whether that's digital, for women to feel like they're involved in football. Mm. It's it's that simple, actually. Um, carry on with the same mission you yeah, set out. Yeah, I think so. And I think like for a while I was like, oh, like I don't know, is it is it a case of this fan goal needs to grow, grow, grow? And I'm I'm not actually convinced that's what we need to do anymore. Mm. I think it's a case of doing work that is in it, it sort of is in line with that mission and is in line with the reason that I set it up which was to showcase women from all over it was originally all over the UK but there's obviously like so much amazing like football culture that's taking place all over the world and I think also like with uh BLM and everything that sort of uh transpired this year I think there is a focus to be more diverse in our coverage of women's football and women, and football fan culture because I think as like many football platforms, I don't think we did enough about that before. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's just something that we're a bit more focused on now. And I'm I'm excited actually to talk about football in a new way and give it a new energy. And I'm excited to come into 2021 and. More of the same, but I guess um, uncover more stories. I'm excited to... Ultimately, I think like anything that grows the women's football scene is a great thing. So, Amy, this fangirl's coming up to five years. It is. Five Holy years old. I can't crap. believe it. I can't believe it. just it. feels like it's a couple of years. I, I think know. we've skipped a year, though, with COVID. We've skipped a year, haven't we? So four years. Five four years. years. Um, it's like when you're, like, 29, you're like, no, I'm 25. Like, I'm we've definitely lost a year. We're not... I'm not going to say how old we are. 100% not. Because we have a problem with age, don't we? <laughs> we definitely do. Do you remember when we turned 24 and we were thought we were really old? Can you believe we had the audacity to say that? Can you believe it at 24? We anyway, we're, we're still young. <laughs> um, but what have you learned throughout the journey of this fangirl? I think, like, I suppose you've got to split that a couple of ways. Like, personally... I have become a lot more confident in what I'm doing with this Van Gogh. I think before this Van Gogh, I felt really like, I I always felt like I needed like a creative outlet for something. I, I felt for a really long time, I just hadn't really done anything. Mm-hmm. I really hadn't like achieved much. I'd worked with a whole bunch of companies, but I hadn't really created anything that, I don't know, maybe it was just I hadn't created anything that had made a bit of a change or made people feel differently about themselves. And I think this Van Gogh has done that. And I think there's a few things that sort of created that uh, confidence in me and I think one of them genuinely was I do really always think back to Leicester winning the league it really flipped something in my brain because it was a time where like that season everyone's like it is 5,000 to 1 odds that Leicester are going to win the league this is not happening this is not happening but I think if that's such a massive thing in your life and you sort of unlearn a truth there because Leicester proved that some that they could do something mm-hmm. right all the odds that were stacked against them, everyone's saying that they couldn't. I genuinely don't believe that I can never not do anything because of Leicester. Because yeah. it's just like, how, how, how can you ever look me in the eye and say, I can't be on, I don't know, I can't be on telly because I'm a female football fan. Like, I've been through, I've had such a lesson. That is lesson. so special, Amy, isn't it? It is, but I've had such a lesson that's so close to me that yeah. has disproved that. Like, yeah. I can never believe anything. But it's a real problem because it means that I, ne- I genuinely never believe anything. I know. Because I, I, I always, I don't know, maybe I always look for the um, uncertainty of the situation. But I really, I genuinely think that really changed my outlook on life. Yeah. In... Uh, I don't know, like a business and a football context where I've learned so much just about, you know, 
running your own business and the, the boring shit that you know that you have to do when you're setting things up but I think a really important thing for me is that like it, it it's cool to like just to, to be a starter to be an amateur it's fine like you don't mm-hmm. you're never going to be like incredible at something from the first you know step you take into that water it's not going to happen mm-hmm. I think we when we started this fangirl we started taking photos and we started like creating content we weren't good like you look at our first photos they weren't great I I remember our first one we ever took like it was off kilter it was like slightly out of focus but it didn't stop us putting it out there and I think that was a really important for me thing for me to realize like it's just because it's not perfect from the offset Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that it should deter you from trying and I think that's a massive thing that I've learned actually you've just got to if you're if you're if you're really passionate about doing something and you really want to do something like it's not going to be perfect and it's quite a nice place to be as an amateur because there's so much you need to learn there's so much progression there like that's wicked you've got all that you've got that journey ahead of you like imagine being like don't imagine if I was a professional photographer and then I started doing this fangirl like there'd be a lot of pressure there was no pressure on me about then yeah um you just enjoyed it didn't you just enjoyed it and I had like so much fun Mm -hmm. so I think that was a big thing I learned as well so for me, as one of your Bessie mates from Leicester, um, what I've seen in you is like, I've never seen this much love and passion from you in a job. Like I've seen you excited about jobs, like as excited as you were moving to London. And you got some really exciting jobs. I remember some really exciting campaigns yeah. that you did. Mm. Um, but I've never seen you give as much of yourself to a job or a mission, which is this fangirl. Mm. Um as you have with this, like, it's been amazing. And um, for me, like, in terms of what have you learnt, I think you, you perform best at the things that you absolutely love. One hundo. One hundred, one hundred percent One hundred percent And the prime example is Laura Ashley. Mate, there because have been you some you jobs in the deck which I have got fired from. Yeah. I've been fired, like, on, like, multiple occasions. You got fired from the windows and doors job. Yep. But didn't we all? A bar. I got fired because I didn't make my com- commission from Diana. And I just, I find it, I do find it really difficult to work if I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. It's really it? hard, and I can't fake it. I can't. I cannot fake that no. at all. It's hard to get, like getting up every morning, giving it everything. Exactly. It, it that does transform the way you work. And yeah, I think one hundred percent. Like I, this fangirl really genuinely like five years on it still really excites me and like I sometimes I like my brain is like fizzing and I think like people that I've worked with or people that sometimes like help support this van girl like probably get really pissed off at me because I'm always just like I don't know it'll be like two o'clock in the morning I'm like let's let's email this person about this and it's just like I'm relaxed or just I don't know like sometimes my brain like my brain sometimes goes into like ADHD mode sometimes I think it really it's a bit problematic actually but that is out of that is out of like pure passion because I I love it and I, I feel like there's so much there's so much to do and there's so much to say and there's so many I don't know there's so many like women to make feel mm-hmm. I don't know make feel more included and that really I guess that that, that just comes back to me it, oh again it just comes back to me not feeling that way yeah absolutely that's it. that's a wrap Ames maybe that's a wrap. 